Um, we are holding in Shmuel Beis, which we started last week. And last week we, we did the first three prokim of Shmuel Beis, which brings us to Perek Dalit, Perek Dalit Pasuk Aleph of Shmuel Beis. Um, as I mentioned last week, Shmuel Beis really is the story of David HaMelech's kingdom. Even though in Shmuel Aleph, we learned a lot about the story of David, but there was primarily more about Shoal. Um, in Shmuel Aleph is where Shoal was made the first king of Klal Yisrael through Shmuel. And ultimately, as we learned, Shoal sinned, and, and Hashem said that Shmuel was going to be the next king. Um, let me try to mute everyone here. Okay. Um, okay, I'm not seeing how to mute everyone, so if everyone can mute themselves, um, so there shouldn't be background noise. Um, so in, in the end, the very end of Shmuel Aleph is where he had the Melchama, the war, and Shaul was killed together with uh, Yonasan, Shaul's son, David most, David's most beloved friend, and, um, and many, many Jewish people. It was a terrible war for the Jewish people. So the parak opened up last week where David gets the, better, the terrible news, where David gets the news that Shaul was killed and Yonasan was killed, and... Um, as we saw, and we pointed out last week, that although, although on the one hand, Shoal and David um, had this very um, you know, difficult type of relationship, but David always had the utmost respect for Shoal, and he looked at him as Mashiach Hashem, the one anointed by Hashem to be the king of the Jewish people. And that played itself out a number of times last week. Um, right in the beginning, when you had that uh, messenger who came to David and says, Shoal was killed because I killed him. The messenger himself was an Amaleki, and he said that he killed, um, he killed Shoal. So David immediately had him put to death. He says, the one who killed the king, the Mashiach Hashem. So that was, that was the opener in Perik Aleph, and then David uh, lamented and sang a whole kina for Shoal and for Yonason. But then, after that, is when, Shoal, when David HaMelech's kingdom starts being cemented. And we read last week that the first place that David goes is to Hebron. And, uh, because until that point, David was really outside of Eretz Yisrael. He was afraid of Shoal. Now that Shoal is dead, so Shoal, uh, so David, that is, ascends to Hebron. And that's where he starts, really, his melucha, being the king. And for the first seven years, he is the king primarily over his shevet, over his tribe, which is the tribe of Yehuda. And that is in Hebron. Um, we also read that the Shoal's general was Avner, Avner Benir. And Avner Benir anointed Shoal's son, um, um, so, so son to be the king in instead of instead of, in the place of Shoal, um, and that was um, and that was Ish um, Boishes, Ish Boishes, and that's the one that um, Avner anointed. But ultimately, as we saw, that uh, Shoal's kingdom got weaker and weaker, and David's kingdom got stronger and stronger. Ultimately, Avner, who was Ultimately, Avner, who was Shoal's, again, again, we have a lot of background noise. I wish I knew how to, see, I'm not on my regular computer, so I don't know how to, how to silence everyone. Um, Rabbi Silverberg? Yes. Um, but I think the people on the phone need to mute themselves. Right, right. So typically, I know how to do that from my phone. But I don't know how to do that on the phone that I'm on now. So if everyone could mute themselves, that would be helpful here. Right. Right. There's, there's, two, there's two people on a phone that need to mute, and then there's an iPad that needs to mute. 
she knows. Okay, good. At least there's someone who knows what's going on here. <laughs> okay. Okay, sounds like we're better off here. So, um, as, we, as we were saying, that Avnir, who was Shaul's general, ultimately decided to go over to David's side. And he, he makes a pact with David, and he comes to David. But as we had in, in the last parak that we learned, parak Gimel, that David's general, who is Yoav, Yoav ben Surya, ultimately kills Avnir. Uh, because Avner had earlier killed Yoav's brother, Asoil. And David is extremely upset about that, and David curses Yoav for that. And that's really where Perak Gimel ended. And that's where that brings us to where we are now, the beginning of Perak Dalit. So really where David's melucha, David's kingdom is being solidified. And it's going to be totally solidified in the following, again, sad chapter. And that's Perak Dalit. Because what happens is that now you're going to have the, still, there's the son of Shaul, who is still, you know, the other king, the other king, Ishbosheth. But in the beginning of this chapter, two of his generals are going to assassinate him, are going to assassinate Shaul's son, Ishbosheth, and they think that David is going to thank them for it. After all, you know, Shaul and David, that's the two kingdoms. So Shaul's son, Ishbosheth, is the king um, who's, the, who's the heir of Shaul. So his two generals, the uh, Pasi tells us their names, um, I don't know if they're generals or their ministers, Bano and Rechov. So it says basically they assassinate Shaul's son, Ishbosheth, and they come to David with the dead body, or actually with his head, to say, Look, we killed your enemy, we killed Shaul's son. And we can well imagine already that David is not going to take that well at all. And to the contrary, David immediately um, has them put to death. And he says, how dear that you, that you killed the son of Shaul, HaMelech. He says, just like I had the one who killed Shaul killed, I'll have you killed. And that's really Perak Dalit. And David is very irate and very saddened. But by the end of Perak Dalit, and it's a short Perak, it's only 12 uh, psukim, the Perak Dalit. But at this point, really, there's nothing left to Shaul's malucha. And that's a very important point in history at this point, because for... For a number of years, Shaul has been king and then his son, but now everything is finished. Shaul's general, Avner, has already made a pact with David, and he's not alive anymore. Shaul's son, Ishbosheth, is also not alive anymore. Um, interestingly, the Pasuk makes reference to one existing uh, remnant um, to, to Shaul's family, which is going to be the son of the son of Yonason. And it says he was a five-year-old boy when the war happened that his father and grandfather were killed. And his, uh, his, the, the woman who was taking care of him took him, ran away from the war, and he fell, and he became somewhat lame. And, and he's still here. His name is Mipi Boishas. We're going to hear about him later in the Navi, a grandson of Shola, son of Yenison. But he's out of the picture as far as Malchus is concerned. So at the end of Perak Dalid, there's really nothing left to the Malchus of Shaul. And that's where Perak Hay begins. Why did they like cut off their heads and feet? And, like, why is it so right. gross? So bloody, so. yeah, yeah. That's uh, one of the difficulties of learning Navi. That's just the way it was then. I don't know. To, I don't have the answer to that question, and it's not easy to even read. That's correct. Right. I don't have an answer. Perak Hay. Perak Hay is Rabbi, yes. Rabbi Silverberg, what was the little boy's name? His name was Mipi Boishes. Mipi Boishes, I'm pretty sure. Um, if you, I'll look back to make sure. It, where was it? Um, 
Yes, Mipi Boishas. It's in Pasuk Dalit. That little boy was the son of Yonasan. It's actually an interesting name, Mipi Boishas. Literally, it sounds like from his mouth comes embarrassment. And the Gemara says that it's because he was so wise that he embarrassed everyone with the words of his mouth. He knew more than anyone else. He even says, shame David by knowing more halacha than him. And that's where he got that name, Mipi Boishas, this son of Yonasan, son of Shol, that was saved again uh, when, when his father and grandfather were killed in war. And again, he will come up later in the Navi because David is going to give him, invite him to his palace and give him tremendous respect and honor as we will see. Parakeh begins now, a very important pasuk, Vayavoyu kol shifte Yisrael el David chevrona. All of the tribes now come to David in Hebron. Vayomer, Lamer, they tell him, Hininu atzmachav sarcha anachnu, we are all yours. Basically, the entire Klal Yisrael is now going to accept David HaMelech as David Melech Yisrael. And they go on to say that we know that always, even when Shaul was the king, you were the general, you brought us, um, you know, you, you brought us our victory. And we know that Hashem chose you to be the new leader of Klal Yisrael. And therefore, it's at this point, even though, again, we've been with David for many, many prakim, and, you know, Shmuel anointed David way back ago, and recent, and seven years earlier, the tribe of Yehuda anointed David as their king. It says this point, that David becomes David Melech Yisrael. He's accepted by all of Klal Yisrael. And here, therefore, in Pasuk Dalet, the Pasuk goes and say, says that, it was, that David was 30 years old when he began being a Melech. He was a Melech for 40 years, uh, seven years in Hebron. And now that he's accepted by all of Klal Yisrael, David moves to Yerushalayim. And it's important to understand the history, the historical event now, because this is the first time that the Jewish people are coming to Yerushalayim, ever. Um, you realize they're already in Eretz Yisrael for hundreds of years. At this point, they're in Eretz Yisrael for, for almost 400 years, and they conquered a number of different parts of Eretz Yisrael. They never conquered Yerushalayim. And it's an interesting historical fact. There's discussion about that why you think the first place they would want to go is to Yerushalayim, um, knowing that Yerushalayim was you know, the place where... Uh, there was, that's, that's where the Akedis uh, Yitzchak was, I mean, the center. And that's where Hashem promised that ultimately the house is going to stand. But still, the fact is that in these hundreds of years, they conquered a number of areas in Eretz Yisrael. They never came to Yerushalayim. And even when David came to Eretz Yisrael now to be Melech seven years earlier, he went to Hebron. And that's where he was for those seven years of, of uh, when he was the Melech over his Shevet. And now is when, uh, as the Pasuk says in Pasuk Vav, Vayelech HaMelech V'anoshev Yerushalayim. The Dov and HaMelech says, now it's time for us to go up to Yerushalayim. Um, but Yerushalayim wasn't conquered yet. And in the nation that was in Yerushalayim at the time were called the Yevusi. We know that there are seven nations that were the primary nations that inhabited Eretz Yisrael. Knai, Nechiti, Amori, and one of them is Yevusi. And the Yevusi lived in Yerushalayim. So we have here a cryptic statement in Pasuk Vav that the men of the Yivusi said, you can't come here until you remove the blind and the lame from Yerushalayim, you're not going to be able to come here. What did they mean when they said that? The, the, again, the, the nation, the Yivusi nation tells David HaMelech, you're not going to be able to come conquer Yerushalayim until we remove the blind and the lame. What does that mean? So the Mepharshim talk about it. The, the simple pshat is they're saying that we are so powerful here, we're so strong in our stronghold, that as long as there's even some blind and lame soldiers, you're not going to be able to conquer us. So they were, they were really taunting him. He says, you're not going to be able to come here until every last one of us is not here, because even a blind soldier is, is fortified enough here in Yerushalayim not to allow you to come in. 
That's an upshot level. But the other Mepharshim, Rashi brings from the Gemara something very fascinating. And as happens many times, something that's connected to Parshas HaShavua that we're reading this week in the Parsha. This week is Parshas Vayera. And in Parshas Vayera, Avram makes a covenant with Avimelech. And he tells him, Avimelech says, they make a covenant, he says, Avimelech says that you won't do bad to my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. So this Avimelech lived in this area of Yerushalayim. So these people, these Yivusi, were descendants of Avimelech. And they had written up that promise that was made from Avram to Avimelech. And they had put it into their idols. They had idols in the images of blind and, um, and lame men. And in the mouths of the idols, they had, print, they had written on parchment the shvua that Avram made to Avimelech that he's not going to hurt him. So what they were telling David Amalek is, you can't hurt us. You're bound by the shvua of Avram of Parshas Vayera. Again, it's a, again, I found it a shkacha practice. We're learning something in Tanakh, and it connects to the parsha that we're learning in Chumash, where, where Avram makes this malach, uh, uh, this, uh, this bris, this covenant with Avimelech. And he says, I'm not going to hurt your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. So they held this up as their, uh, <laughs> their, their safeguard. You can't battle us. Now, the truth of the matter, though, is, is that Avimelech said, my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren. That was finished already. We're talking about... We're talking about many hundreds of years after that. And therefore, David Amal said, that's nonsense. That Shavuot doesn't exist. And plus, you people have, have been murderous to the Jewish people, so you've, uh, any type of covenant, you've broken many times until this point. But, but this, says the Gemara, is what they were saying when they says, you can't come as long as the blind and deaf men are here. They were referring to the parchment that had the Shavuot, that had the, uh, the covenant, that was in the mouths of their idols as their so-called protection against David Amalekh. Anyways, the point is that didn't help them at all, and David was able to, David's men were able to totally um, conquer Yerushalayim, or the, the whole city of Yerushalayim, and they built an area for David Hamelech called Ir David. Now, I don't know if any of you have been to Yerushalayim recently, and the last two years has been more challenging than others, but around Yerushalayim today, one of the greatest tourist sites is Ir David. And that's the grounds of that initial place where David HaMelech, I've been there a number of times myself, and it's amazing, that's the place where David HaMelech, first palace in Yerushalayim was. And this was the first time that we owned Yerushalayim, that we, that we as, a, as a nation, I mean, Avraham Avinu was in Yerushalayim, um, Yitzchak and Yaakov, but when we came back, so as I said, a couple hundred years when Eretz Yisrael, we were in Shiloh, we were in many places, but now is when David HaMelech, when he becomes Melech, brings us to Yerushalayim, and that's where he establishes his Malchus on the entire Jewish people, on all the Shvatim. He's accepted by all of the Shvatim. And he's not only accepted by the Shvatim, but kings in neighboring nations also recognize that the Jewish people have one, uni finally one unified king. And therefore in Pasuk Aleph it says that Hiram, who is the king of Tzor, which I don't know which modern nation that is, but he sent messengers and he sent gifts and he sent wood and builders in order to build for David this, this, this uh, palace. And, da and Pasuk says in Yudbeis, Vayida David, at this point David know knows, recognizes that Hashem has really um, made, it, made his kingdom on Klal Yisrael and Hashem has exalted and raised up his kingdom over all of Klal Yisrael. Um, the, pasuk, the pasuk goes on, says that David now, um, he had more children. 
um, married more women, it doesn't say their names, but it says there's more children, it says a number of those names, amongst them Shlomo is mentioned, which of course this story will have much later and much more detail. Um, it's at this point that the Plishtim, who are always the enemy of the Jewish people throughout, throughout this period of history, they hear that, wow, the Jews have a big king now, and the Jews anointed a king, so all the Plishtim come up and they want to wage battle against the Jewish people, and David asks by Hashem through the Kayanim, he asks him, should I go fight the Plishtim? Will they be given over in my hands? Hashem says, yes. He says, Alei, go, go up to fight them. I will give them in your hands. And that's what happens. Pasuk Chaf and Chafalaf, there's a battle, and the Jewish people are tremendously um, successful in that battle. It says the Plishtim flee, and they leave all of their idols there, and David destroys all their idols. And then in Chavbez, there's an additional battle with Plishtim. More Plishtim come in another battle. And again, David asks Hashem, says, should I go fight with them? And this time Hashem says, no, don't go directly, go behind them. And when you're a certain uh, strong sound, then you should fight them. David follows the orders exactly, and as the period finishes, Vayas David King Hashem, David followed the orders of Hashem. Vayach es Plishtim migevad He's tremendously successful in, um, in conquering all of those enemies of Klal Yisrael. That is the end of Perik Hay. Which brings us to Perik Vav. And here we have some very important um, steps in David HaMelech in the beginning of his kingdom. So, just to review quickly, David is now the king over the Jewish people, um, accepted by all the Jewish people. David's first step was bringing Klal Yisrael to Yerushalayim and solidifying that as our, our capital. The capital of, of Klal Yisrael became the capital of Klal Yisrael then, when David builds what he called Ir David, the city of David, and then he's able to fight the Plishtim in two very successful battles. Okay, what's the next big step? David, he, he became king, moved to Eretz Yisrael, moved to Yerushalayim, created his palace. What's the next big step of David? What do we think it's gonna be? No, it's very easy to ask questions when everyone is muted. So what's going what's to be next? So David gathers, he says, 30,000 people, 30,000 Yidin. And what are they going to do? They're going to bring back the Aron, the Aron of Hashem, the Aron, the, the ark that carries the Luchas in it. Where was the Aron all this time? Where is it? We've, we like, you know, we're spending so much time here. When did the Aron get lost and where was it? So to, uh, to, to remember this, we have to go back to, to classes that we had um, many months ago last year. And that is when, you when we had that, the terrible battle when Shiloh fell. Remember, let, let's, let's, let's remember, the Jewish people came from, um, from uh, the Midbar, Teretz Yisrael. In the Midbar they had the Mishkan. When they came to Eretz Yisrael for the 14 years of conquest, and dividing the land, they kept the same Mishkan in the city of Gilgal. But then they built the Mishkan in Shiloh. And the Mishkan in Shiloh lasted for many, many years, 369 years. And it was the last Kohen Gadol in Shiloh was Eli HaKohen. And Eli HaKohen was the one who fell in a great battle together with his two sons, Chafni and Pinchas. And this was way back in Shmuel Aleph, which I'm not gonna go over the whole story, um, but it was in that battle that the Pelishtim took the Aron. They took the Aron from the Jewish people because the Jewish people brought the Aron out to battle, which they shouldn't have done. And then the Pelishtim took the Aron. And then the Aron was 
in um, it was it, it wreaked havoc in the different cities of the Plishtim and it created uh, the plagues in the cities of the Plishtim. So the Plishtim didn't want it anymore, and they sent it back to the Jewish people. You re recall they put the urn on a wagon and they put the wagon. They put uh, they had cows they connected to the wagon and the cows went on their own and the cows sang Shira. We talked about it at length. Then this takes us back to Shmuel Aleph, like Perigvav and Zion. Um, so the, the wagon returned to the Jewish people. When it returned to the Jewish people, though, it went to one um, house and the people weren't respectful of it, so people died. There was a magefa, so it was taken to another place. And in Shmuel Aleph, Perig Zion, I'm just turning my pages to here all the way back here, it says, finally, they brought it to a place called Kiryas Yeorim, um, which was a city in Eretz Yisrael. And that's where they brought Vayalos Aron Hashem, Vayeviu also base Avinodov Bagiva. So it, it rested in the home of Avinodov, in the mountains of Kiras uh, Kiryas Yorim, and that's where it was. And the pasuk says over there again uh, that it was there for twenty years, and that those twenty years is from then until now. The twenty years were when Shaul was still king. Um, even before, I'm sorry, before when it was just Shmuel and then Shaul and now David. So now it's 20 years later. And David HaMelech has brought the Jewish people centrally in Yerushalayim. And now he gathers this tremendous uh, group of 30,000 people. We're going to go with festivities to the home of this Yonadav and bring back the Aaron to Yerushalayim. So, and that's what they did. And as, as so many stories in Navi, even the most beautiful stories that can are are, this is filled with uh, sad parts to it, and here's one of those examples. Um, and as Pasuk says in Gimel, they put the Aaron on Agola Hadasha, on a new wagon. Now that was a sin. That was a sin because you're not allowed to carry the Aaron on a wagon. And even when the Levine carried the Aaron in the, um, in the desert, always on the shoulders. They never carried the Aaron on a wagon when. Um, when Moshe Rabbeinu gave the, uh, the, the different families of Levim wagons, it was Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. Kahas did not receive wagons because they carried the holiest articles. The holiest articles, the Pasuk says, Bakasif Yisau are supposed to be taken on shoulders. And here, David Amalek forgot that. We'll talk about that in a moment. We'll have some time what, what happened, what's behind the scenes. But before behind the scenes, what happened? So it says they carried the Aaron from the house of Avinodov, which was in Giva, and Uzzah and Achio are two brothers, and they're the children of Avinodov, and they're um, leading the wagon. One is in front of the wagon, one is next to the wagon, and they're traveling with the Arun. Achio is, fr is, is traveling in front. David David and all the Jewish people are dancing in front of Hashem. They're so excited, they're so happy. The Arun is finally returning. And they're, they're with, with, uh, mu with musical instruments, kinoros, nivalim, tupim. These are all different types of, of, of uh, musical instruments. Now, they come to a place called Goren Nachon. And what happens is, the wagon with the aron seems to be slipping. And the aron seems to be falling off. It looks like it's going to fall off. So Uzzah, Uzzah again is one of the two brothers who's leading the aron, Reaches out, reaches out his hands to hold on to the Aaron that it shouldn't fall. And Hashem is very, very upset. Because Hashem says, you're, you think the Aaron is going to fall? You know, the Aaron, 
the Aaron says, if we go back in Navi, when the Jewish people went over the Yardin, the Aaron picked up all those who were holding it and brought them over the Yardin. The Aaron doesn't fall. The Aaron picks up the people with it. And here Uzzah lifts out his hands to hold the Aaron as if to hold that it shouldn't fall. Hashem is angered. Uzzah dies. And David is totally distraught. David looks at it, it's his fault. He's the one who led all of this. He led this. And the Pasuk says in Ches, David is so upset, so saddened, so angered. That Hashem caused this, uh, this parrot, uh, like a plague, a type of plague that, that Uzzah died. And David says, this place will always be called by the name of this person who died here, Peretz Uzzah, Adayim till this very day. Vayira David as Hashem Bayimahu. David at that day became very fearful of Hashem. He says, the Aaron is too holy for us. Wherever it goes, people are dying because they don't know how to honor it enough. So David says, I don't know if we're worthy to bring the Aaron to us. And therefore David, he stopped the procession and they were holding near the home of someone called Oved Edom Hagiti. And he said, let the Aaron stay here in the meanwhile. Uh, I'm going to go back to explain the story a little more, but let's just finish the narrative as it goes in the Navi. He says, so the Pasik says, in Pasik Yud Aleph, that the Aaron stayed there in the house of Oved Edom Agiti for three months. And in those three months, that home of Ovad Edom Agiti was blessed with tremendous blessing. Vayivarach Hashem es Oved Edom Agiti v'chol beso. Hashem gave them all tremendous uh, blessings. It says, uh, his wife and all of his daughters-in-law were all blessed with tremendous, with, with, with children. Now, I don't know how they all had children in three months, but maybe, maybe in three months they became pregnant with children or they were pregnant before and now they gave birth to children. But that's what it says. In those three months, there was tremendous blessing in that home. Now, when David Amalek hears this, that there was so much blessing in the house of Ovid Edom, so David says, okay, so it seems that the Aaron is not so dangerous. If you treat it correctly, it brings bracha. So therefore, David says, okay, we're going back. We're going to, try to, we're going to do this right this time. And he calls, again, the Jewish people go with a tremendous um, procession. And they come, take the Aaron with tremendous simcha from the house of Ovad, Ovid Edom Hagiti. And the Pasuk describes it, Pasuk Yud Gimel. He says, every time they would, they would walk six steps, David would bring karbonos to Hashem. And then it says, a famous Pasuk, David mecharker b'chol oz l'fnei Hashem. David was dancing with all of his might, with all of his energy in front of Hashem. David was wearing the uh, royal garments. Um, garments, uh, white uh, royal garments. Garments also those worn by prophets. V'david v'chol beis Yisrael ma'ilim esaron Hashem b'sruah v'kel sheifer. David and all the Jewish people are involved in bringing up the Aaron of Hashem with, with the sounds of, of shofres and truah. The blasts, and that's how they're bringing the Oron back to Yerushalayim. Okay, let's stop here for a moment. We'll get back to the story here. I want to go back for a moment to what was going on in that story of uh, when David, the first time around, was bringing the Oron and, um, and the, the parrots of Uzzah. Uzzah was killed. So we have a very interesting uh, statement in the Gemara, and which actually there's a whole chapter of Tanya that the Al-Tarabi talks about and explains it and I, I'm not going to go into it at length but just to mention the concept, the idea the Gemara says that David was being punished for something and what was he punished for? punished was in Tehillim there's a Pasuk you know one of the greatest uh, chapters of Tehillim definitely the longest chapter by far is 119 Kofiotes 
And um, in that uh, spirit, there's a passage where David HaMelech says, Zmiros hayu lichukecha beves megurei. Literally, it means that your words, the words of Torah, were like songs for me throughout all of my afflictions. And David talks about there that Torah was his pleasure. Whenever David had such a difficult life and was running away from his father-in-law and then from his children and from... David lived a terrible life. And terrible in a sense, I shouldn't say terrible, but a life fraught with difficulties. And he says that the Torah was my song. Zmira Torah was my song. It always gave me pleasure. It always made me happy no matter what happened. Now that sounds like a pretty nice thing to say. Says the Gemara that David was criticized for it by Hashem. And Hashem says, David, Zmira is karislu. My Torah is just like songs to you. My Torah is just like something, like a pleasurable experience. The Torah is way beyond that, way beyond just something to give you pleasure. It's Hashem Himself. You have to have that. This should give you a tremendous uh, a sense of, of fear of Hashem, of bitl, of, of humility. And somehow, that is a criticism for David. Now, that itself is not so simple. It seems like he was saying something nice. Torah was a beautiful thing for me. But, and there's a lot of Hasidus explaining that, that David was talking about a lower level of Torah, really there's a higher level of Torah, and, and he was expected to be able to uh, connect to the higher level, not the lower level. Again, it, it's a whole, it's, it's a, it could be a whole shear for itself. It's, there's a whole memorandum on that concept. But the fact is, the Gemara says, that David was criticized for that. And what was, and Hashem says, because you didn't respect Torah enough, you're going to forget Halacha and Torah that even children know. This was the punishment. That you, the great David HaMalach, who's the great Tzaddik, is going to forget a halacha that even children know. What's the halacha? That the Aron you have to carry on your shoulders. Because out of respect for the Aron, out of respect for the Torah, in other words, your lack of having the ultimate level of respect for Torah will result that you'll forget some basic rules of the respect of Torah, which is carrying the Torah on the shoulders, which in turn will lead to the story of Uzzah, because Uzzah is also going to show a disrespect for the Torah when he's going to try to support the Aram from falling. And that's what led to, the, to that, um, that uh, disaster, when you had the uh, Uzzah dying uh, amongst the fest- uh, during that fest- uh, festivities of returning the Torah to his place. So, and again, in, in, um, in Tanya, we know there's five sections to Tanya. The fifth section is called Kunturus Acharon, which are a number of essays. Most of them are very Kabbalistic. One of them is on this story. On the story, it starts with the words, David Zmires Karis Luhu. The David, you called my Torah Zmires. And the Alter Rebbe expounds there on that concept that David was lacking a certain, at that point, when he said that statement, it was, it was some level of lack of appreciation of the essence of the Torah. And that led to a disrespect of the Torah carrying it with the wagons, which led to the disrespect of the Torah of Uzzah trying to reach out and hold on to it. And that's what led to that, um, to that sad event in the middle of this otherwise festive parak of bringing the Aaron back to Yerushalayim. And that's an idea, again, it's much, it's much more explained in Hasidus, but that's the basic idea of what happened in that story. Okay. Rabbi Silverberg, yes. this is the question. Where do they house the Aron when they bring it to Yerushalayim? Okay. Because isn't, isn't the Mishkan you said in Shiloh? Right. Well, the Mishkan isn't anymore. The Mishkan of Shiloh has already been destroyed. Um, oh. And for many years, there hasn't been a real Mishkan now. I mean, there's no real place of Mishkan. And in Yerushalayim, as we're going to see, David is going to build a tent, and he's going to house the Aron in a tent. 
Right? And as we're going to see in the next parak already, which we're probably not going to get to tonight, is where we start the story of building the Beis HaMikdash. David is very, you know, once David becomes king, he's very, sent, you know, he, he's heading to Yerushalayim, he's bringing the urn, he's going to build the Beis HaMikdash. David is very gula-oriented. He is bringing it all together. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that more as we learn more about David HaMelech. Okay, but back to where we're holding in Pasuk Tess, Zayin. And here we have another pretty famous incident. And again, like all of these incidents, beautiful, sad, all together. So David is leading the procession, bringing the Aaron back to Yerushalayim after 20 years that has been in someone's backyard, basically. And he's, he's, the level of Simcha is, is amazing. We, we have the description of David is dancing and dancing. And now there's a critique. Pasik Tezayin. V'hoya Aaron Hashem ba'ir David. The Aaron of Hashem is coming to the city of David. Umichal bas Shaul. We have the daughter of Shaul, which is David's wife, really his primary wife. Um, we know David has a number of wives, but his primary wife is Michal. That's the one that brought him into the kingdom in the first place. Um, and she is looking out of the window. And she sees her husband, the king, dancing. And not just dancing, but the Pasik says, Mephazes or Mecharkil of Hashem. He's just jumping and dancing and, and doing all these moves. Vativez lo beliba, to her this was embarrassing. This is her husband, this is the king, and he's dancing like a, like a, like a total commoner. Right? In fact, the, the Gemara says that as he's dancing, his garments, in olden days people wore primarily robes, I guess, and his garments are lifted, and people see some beer leg, and she's the king? She, she, was, she was horrified. Now, but she, she's in her house, she doesn't say anything. Now, what goes weiter? What's further? Yudzayim, vayaviyus Aaron Hashem. They bring the Aaron Hashem, vayetzigo sabimkom, where they put it in its place. Betocha ohel, asher natalo David. David built a special uh, ohel, a special uh, tent for it. Vayal David oilus lefnei Hashem oshlamim. David now is bringing sacrifices of thanks to Hashem oilus and shlamim. And David finishes bringing those sacrifices. He gives a bracha. He benches the entire nation. And then he, he gives food to everyone who's there. Thousands and thousands of people have gathered. He gives um, every person has bread and every person gets meat and every person gets wine. And everyone goes back to their homes. Everyone disperses, excited and happy. Finally, we have a mela. Finally, we have the orange. Everything is coming together. Pasuk Now David, the, the, the crowds leave and the people are going home. David goes not to his home. To bless his family, to bless his home. Michal Bas David. Michal, David's wife, the daughter of Shaul, comes out towards David. and she says, Man He says, What kind of a day is this? This, on the one hand, it's supposed to be a special day, an honorable day. And Melech Yisrael, the king of the Jewish people. Asher Nigla the king of the Jewish people now is, is, is revealed in front of everyone. Even the maidservants see him like a simpleton. And this is, she's giving David like Musa. She says, how is it that you uh, defaced yourself and embarrassed yourself to dance in this way and to reveal yourself in this way in front of everyone? And David answers. Pasir Chafalaf is a very, very strong answer. David tells Micha. He says, it's, it's this, I wasn't defacing myself. He says, this is in front of Hashem. Asher bochar bi Hashem shows me over your father and over his entire house and he made me the king over Kal Yisrael and therefore I'm, I'm, I'm happy in front of him. 
And of course, the Mepharshim asks, why is David making reference? He says, Hashem chose me over your father. Was he trying to insult her? But as explained, and the Rebbe talks about this a lot, David was saying, this is the basic difference of Shaul and David. Shaul's problem was, the reason why Shaul lost grace is because he used his seichel. He decided what's right and what's wrong, what made sense to him. David was, was a tzaddik, but he used too much of his own logic, and therefore he made mistakes. David says, I'm not about logic. I'm here. I'm, I'm totally bottle. I'm like a servant before Hashem. I'm totally nullified to Hashem. And therefore, David says in Chavbeis, he says, I would, I would deface myself more. I'm, I'm nothing in my own eyes. I'm lowly in my own eyes. And all of those uh, maidservants that you're saying that I'm, I'm embarrassing myself in front of them, he says to the, con to the, con to the, contra to, um, to the contrary, my, the ultimate honor that I'll ever have is through how much I will nullify myself before Hashem. And therefore, David did not accept that criticism whatsoever. David, David was, um, was strong with that shita that he had when it comes to, to showing COVID, showing his honor and respect for Hashem and for the Oren. Nothing was uh, considered to him degrading. Nothing did he feel like he was defacing himself. And he said that, he says, ultimately, that is the, the ultimate greatness of a person is how much one is able to feel lowly and feel bottled, feel nullified in front of Hashem. And the last Pasuk says that Michal was actually punished for this, for this feeling of, of a sense of pride that the king and queen shouldn't you know, deface themselves before Hashem. Pasuk HaGimel, She never gave birth. Um, after that point, after that point, there are children that she had from before, it would seem. Uh, the Mepharshim talk about that. But after that point, Michal never, never gave birth because of this, um, this, uh, this lack of enough, uh, enough humility before Hashem that David HaMalach exhibited and, and it was difficult for her. And that's the end of Perik Vav. Wait, did she, she gave birth when, when she died? So, there's, so some say so she gave birth at the day of her death. That she only had a child the day that she passed away. So, others say she didn't have children until she died, but she had before that point. But from that point until the day she died, she never had children again. How many years she lived, I don't know. But it, there was some sense of punishment at this point. Okay, you know, even though we're probably not going to finish the next chapter, but we started late, let's try to, to do a few more minutes, if that's okay. So, let's start Perik Zion. Perik Zion is where David says, okay. Now it's time for the Beis HaMikdosh. As we said, if we, if we follow David's, David's Malchus, we see exactly where he's headed. Right? The first thing when he became Malach is he says, let's move to Eretz Yisrael, and he goes to Hebron. Then when he becomes the Malach over all the Jewish people, he says, let's go to Yerushalayim. Then he fights a few battles to take care of the enemies of the Jewish people, and then he's, the whole last chapter is about bringing the Aaron to Yerushalayim. And now that he's in Yerushalayim and he has built his own home and he has the Oren, now he wants to build the Beis HaMikdash. And that's where Perik Zion begins. It's interesting, something I believe we've discussed in the past. When the Rambam talks about Mashiach, he says that there's two Mashiachs in Jewish history. Two, two Mashiachim. Who are the two Mashiachs? The Rambam says, David HaMelech and Mashiach who we're waiting for. Those are the two people that the Rambam looks at as Mashiach. And why is that? Because both of them have a similar goal, which is uniting all of Klal Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael with the Beis Hamikdash, and and saving us from all of our oppressors. That's what Mashiach. That's the halachic category of Mashiach, the halachic uh, um, the, uh, definition of Mashiach. So David Melech really is called David Melech Yisrael. Mashiach is called Mashiach Ben David. 
Because that's what David did. From when he became king, this is where he was, this is where he was headed. And that's where Pasuk Zion, the Perik Zion begins. Now the Dovah Melech is in his home. He has been able to vanquish the enemies of the Jewish people. Right now is a time of, of relative peace. The Navi who was at that time, um, we haven't talked about him yet, but now he's going to become someone central. Um, this is the Navi after Shmuel. He was a Talmud of Shmuel. So Nasan Hanavi, David tells him, he says, He says, I'm sitting in a home made out of beautiful wood. And Hashem's Orin is in a tent. It doesn't seem right. David says that I'm the king and I have a beautiful palace and Hashem's Orin is in a tent. Mm-hmm. So Nasan tells to the king, he says, great idea. Whatever you want to do, do. Hashem imach, Hashem is with you. So Nasan seems to be writing David a blank check. You know, you want to build a house for Hashem? Go ahead. Says the Pasik and Pasik David, Vahi Balayla Hahu was that night. Hashem al Nasan Lamer. Hashem comes to Nasan and he says, Go quickly to David, tell him not so fast. Right? Because the Gemara says, Hashem tells Nasan, I know, I know David. If you're going to give him permission, he's going to start building tomorrow morning. He says, I, I'm, t- I'm giving you a nevu. I want you to go to tell David. And this is where Hashem gives Nasan the famous nevuah to tell David that yes, there will be a Besamekdash, but it's going to be your son who's going to build it and not you. David is going to have these chus of buying the grounds and preparing all the materials and get, getting everything ready. But ultimately, as we know, he's not the one who's going to build it. That's going to be his son, Shlema. And that nevuah is going to be given to Nasan on this night. But it's a lengthy nevuah. It starts off, Hashem says, Leich v'amartel avdi el David. He says, go tell my servant David. Koyamar Hashem. This so, so said Hashem. Ha'ata tivne li bayis l'shifti. Are you going to build the home for me to, to, to rest, to be? He says, Hashem says, I haven't had my own home, a real home, from the time we left Mitzrayim until this day. I was always in an ohel. I was always in a, a very transient type of, a, of an edifice. Right? There was never in a, in a base hamikdash, in a home. And he says, throughout all the generations, did I ever call out, did I ever ask of one of the leaders of the Jewish people why you didn't build me a, a, a real home? He says, Hashem says, I know when I'm going to have my home. I, when I need it, I'm going to ask for it. And now he says, he says, Va'ata, very, very beautiful nevuah. He says in Pasachas, he says, go tell my servant David. He says, I took you from being a shepherd and I made you the king over my nation. I will be with you throughout and I will, I've, uh, I've wiped out your enemies from in front of you. I'll create you a great name. And I will create a place for you in Klal Yisrael and a place of peace. And he says, there never, was, there, there never was a leader in Klal Yisrael like I will make you a leader in Klal Yisrael even when there was Shaftim. And he says, there will be a home. I will have my home. But he says in Pasuk Yudbeis, your, your days will finish. You'll, you'll rest with your ancestors and your children after you will be kings after you. And Apostle Yudgimel, who Yivne Bayis Lishmi is your son who will be king after you, he's going to build that home for my name, and there I will have my home of Malchus forever. I will be to him a father, he will be to me a son. 
like a son that a son when he does wrong I will I will rebuke him and I will punish him but my kindness will never leave him and will never leave your family as it did leave Shaul because your family is going to be in kings ad oilam very powerful nevuah here in Pasuk Tezayin v'nemon beischa mamlachtecha ad oilam lefanecha your home and your kingdom will be forever kisacha yien nochen ad oilam your seat your royal throne will be forever and Hashem finishes and says, all of this nevuah, he tells Nasan Anavi, Cain Biber Nasan al David, all this Nasan gave over to David. So the next morning, Nasan comes to David and says, even though I said, yeah, it's a good idea to build a Besamikdash, Hashem came last night and he said, there will be a Besamikdash, but it's going to be your children. But meanwhile, Hashem gave him the promise and the nevuah that Malchus is going to be in David's house forever. And um, as, we, as we read those, those beautiful words, Mamlach Techad Oilam, Nochein Adoilam will be forever. And ultimately, as we know, Mashiach also will come from descendants of David HaMelech. So we'll stop here. Plus, it's in the middle of a period. Can I ask a question? Sure.